This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. I appreciate you tuning in. Our study today is by special request from a brother who heard a lesson that I presented on Sunday and uh, would like me to record it. Um, we, uh, we had some exceptional circumstances on Sunday and weren't able to record uh, this lesson, so I kind of want to bring you an abbreviated version of it. And we're going to begin in Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10. So if you want to open your Bible and follow along, I just want to go through verses 25 through 37. I think this will be a familiar portion of text. So a lawyer stood up and put Jesus to the test saying, teacher, what shall we, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers. And they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, and he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, when I will return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, Go and do the same. I think that this is a, a critical parable to remember at this particular time in our, our history. It's always important to remember what you know practicing love to your neighbor means. And this story from Jesus really so clearly, I think, illustrates the, what, it, what it means and that this individual, first of all, he took, took a risk. He is going along this road. He feels compassion. He sees this man who's naked. He's been beaten and left for dead. And he feels compassion for him. And he takes a risk to go over. I mean, you imagine the, the dangerous circumstances. There could have been other robbers around. He doesn't know this individual. It could be a trap. Uh, but he takes the risk and he goes and he he helps him and you know we see him put him on his own animal and and then go even to greater lengths to provide future care for him when he leaves him at leaves him at the end uh, so he goes into financial risk he did he um, you know his own physical risk and this is a part at least part of what it means to love your neighbor as yourself it has never meant hide in your basement and so we can't allow Jesus' teaching to love your neighbor as yourself to mean just be passive, be uh, you, you know shelter in, in place. I don't think that those are equivalent things. Is my physical health of greater concern to me than my spiritual health? Is saving my physical life more important to me than the salvation of my soul? Now, this individual in the story, he he takes and treats the the man's physical needs, but he does it because of the spiritual person that he is. 
this good Samaritan, right? The, what he is doing to meet his physical needs, according to Jesus' teaching, is springing from this love that he has for his neighbor, right? He's he's modeling the second greatest command, and also the first one. And he's taking these risks, and he's putting his own physical health in, in danger. But his own physical health is not as of, as much of concern as that other man's physical health. And certainly, he knows that he has greater responsibilities to his God and to his fellow man than just his own well-being. And one might say, well, you can't do anything to benefit your soul or anyone else's soul or your health or anyone else's physical health if you're dead. And that's true. Of course you can't. But that is all the more reason to do what is necessary now. So my point is, COVID-19 should not be a reason to go into lockdown for the Christian, but a reason to serve God all the more. To take the risks that the world is unwilling to take. I believe if Jesus were to return and find us quarantining ourselves in perfectly good health, and he should ask us, what are we doing? And then we respond to him, we're practicing love to our neighbors by sheltering in place. I don't believe he would respond favorably based on what we just read in Scripture. His people aren't governed by the same rules as the rest of the world. His people aren't frantic and they don't panic. They're not alarmists. But they press forward and they continue to love God and they continue to love and serve their neighbors as themselves despite circumstances. And that doesn't mean that you are just unreasonable and you, you know, hug and touch and kiss and all all that stuff that we previously did before when we know it puts us at greater risk. But there are other things that we can do. I, and I think that the one of the problems is is that we're focusing so much on what we can't do and listening so much to what we can't do, we've forgotten to even consider what are we able to do? What can we do? When has it ever been acceptable to not do good for fear of what could happen? Let's say you're listening to this and you're in good health and maybe you have been taking the appropriate precautions and sheltering in, in, in place to the best of your ability and only going out for those things which the government calls essential. But I think this is a fundamental question before all of us in, in, in that in that case. And when we know that we haven't contracted the virus yet, when has it not been acceptable to do good for fear of what could happen? Does my fear of the possibility of contracting or even unknowingly transmitting coronavirus justify not assembling with my brethren to worship God? Does it justify any kind of neglect, for that matter, to love God or to love my neighbor as myself? And I want you to think about those questions, and I want you to think about Jesus' words in, in Matthew 25, in this final scene of judgment. Remember his words here. I'm going to read just the last part of this um, greater scene which Jesus is is picturing of judgment, but he says in verse 41 that he will say also to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in, naked and you did not clothe me. 
sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? And he will answer to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. As we think about Jesus' words there, I was a stranger, you didn't invite me in, I needed clothes, you didn't clothe me, I was sick and in prison, you didn't look after me. Should we say in response, imagine yourself in that passage, imagine yourself in that scene, and you're on the receiving end of Jesus' words. Should we respond to, to Jesus, you don't understand, I was told by the government I needed to shelter in place, and that I only needed to leave when it was, quote, essential. What have we done? We're defining for Christ what is essential. We're trying to define for Jesus what is essential activity. And I have enough sin to repent of already. Jesus doesn't seem to make exceptions over what type of sickness we're talking about. Now, as I mentioned, this doesn't mean that we have to be unreasonable as we're thinking and challenging ourselves about what we can do. Here's what I mean by that. That in Scripture, we see that the the course of action that we take that is pleasing to God is not necessarily the one that brings the most harm to you or puts you in danger. Not necessarily so. Okay, Solomon said in Proverbs twenty-seven, twelve: the prudent sees danger and he hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. And we find many examples of Paul in the New Testament wherein he is escape. He's running for his life, and he has to escape. Um, you know, being lowered in a basket over the wall, and, and Christians just in general in Acts chapter nine had to be. They were scattered all over the world because of the persecution that that Saul of Tarsus was bringing upon the on the church and hunting people down and putting them in prison and executing them as he did with with Stephen. Right, and so you have Christians fleeing from that. And going to all over the world. And you have Paul himself later, of course, when he's converted, he flees from uh, persecution. He's chased out of town, one town after another. And in, in one case, in Damascus early on, um, the king is seeking to put him to death. He describes this in Second Corinthians 11. He says, In Damascus, the governor under King Eratus secured the city of the Damascenes in order to arrest me, but I was lowered in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his grasp. And so there was real threats, there was real danger and risk associated with what they were what they were doing. And they got away from it to the best of their ability, right? So the course of action that is, that is pleasing to God isn't necessarily the one that brings you the most harm or puts you in the greatest danger. Now, all of that to say this, I think herein is the crucial thing I fear many brethren are missing when we use these texts to justify quarantining ourselves and, and and not doing what we can or even assembling with God's people. Here's the crucial thing I think many brethren are missing is that Paul was not being lowered in a basket to quarantine himself. In other words, he wasn't taking these precautions and trying to escape risk in order to hide somewhere else. He was taking these risks and he was he was escaping and fleeing, not to go into lockdown, but to preach elsewhere, 
And so my point is, is, and I think what Scripture is showing us is that if doing the right thing puts you in danger of any kind, then you have to do it anyway. You do the best you can to avoid it. But if doing the right thing puts you into danger of any kind, you have to do it anyway. Paul was escaping in one instance, but throwing himself into another dangerous situation, one right after the other. You know, remember... When he comes to Thessalonica, he preaches there, and 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 some people believe, but the the Jews are hostile and, and aggressive, and and they chase him out of that town, and then he goes to Berea next, and he you know we find some you know the, the great example of those noble minded Bereans in Acts chapter seventeen, and verse eleven, where it talks about their eagerness and their readiness to receive the word. Right, but Paul is there because he's been chased out of Thessalonica. And then those that same party that was so hostile to him in Thessalonica comes to Berea and they chase him out of Berea. Right? So he's he's running from these people, but then he goes to Athens. And guess what we find him doing in Athens? Well, he's preaching the gospel again at the Areopagus. And so we we do the best we can to avoid danger but not at the expense of teaching and practicing the truth. We never find any approval for that in Scripture. And so you're not wrong for being afraid of the consequences of COVID-19 or, tra- or you know, contracting it or transmitting it to someone that you love. That's a rational fear to have and something you should be concerned about and something I should be concerned about. We don't want to unknowingly do that. But my point is, is that our fear of the consequences from God and our love for God must be greater than our fear from from contracting or dying from COVID-19 or giving it to someone else or greater than any fear that the, the consequences the government seeks to impose upon us at this point. And usually the retort comes, well, you're just not taking this seriously. If you're not abiding by these restrictions, then you're just not taking the situation seriously. But I, I fear what those individuals fail to consider who say that is that it's possible that I am taking it seriously, maybe even more seriously than they are. But we have a responsibility to God that we have to take even more seriously. And no one, no government, no individual, no eldership has the authority to command God's people not to assemble on the Lord's Day. Period. No one can keep you from doing what is necessary to be right in a right relationship with God except yourself. And there may be a host of consequences that follow from civil authorities or your family or whatever the case may be, but that's always been true. And I think it's been brought to the forefront because of these exceptional circumstances that we find ourselves in, but this is... What's happening in the world is not a reason to go into lockdown. Nor is it a reason to be, you know, go out and be foolish and lick all the groceries at HEB. Be reasonable, but at the same time, don't use COVID-19 as an excuse to stop serving. And to stop looking for opportunities to love your neighbor. Or as an excuse not to assemble with your brethren. Don't wait until it's too late. There's still time to repent. There are still many opportunities to serve, to practice love toward one another despite the risk. Let the rest of the world panic. That's what it's always done, and that's what it's going to continue to do. 
But you have to understand when fear dictates how you live, then safety has become your God. I cannot make refuge my God. For God has said he is my refuge. Paul tells Timothy, you, O man of God, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love and perseverance and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. And 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 12. If anything, the scripture is teaching us that death comes to us all and it comes more often than not sooner than we're ready for it. What is your life but a vapor, James says? You don't know what it's going to be like today or tomorrow. But that's never an excuse to lock down. It's it's a reason. The scripture puts that puts that reality to us and reminds us of that because it's a reason and a reminder of what needs to be done must be done here and now before your time is up. Remember Jesus' words in Matthew 16, 25. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Maybe you will lose your life from COVID-19. But would you rather lose it in quarantine or would you rather lose it doing the will of God and continuing to serve to the best of your ability? Appreciate you tuning in. I'm Jason Garcia, and this has been Faithful Sayings.